Good morning, church family. Nice to see you. Uh, and thank you. I did have a great break. Um, I had a wonderful gap between Christmas and New Year. I hope that that was like that for you as well. Um, but I'm, I'm really, really excited. I, I'm so privileged that I have a job that I'm excited to get back to, that I have a church family that I'm excited to be part of. Um, and for the next two weeks, we're going to jump back into the book of Acts. Um, if you have uh, been around for a while, you'll know that we've been going through chapter by chapter the book of Acts, and we're going to kind of go all the way through the book of Acts, not in one go, but during the year. Because we believe that the book of Acts is not complete. It hasn't been finished. In fact, that's why we've called this series Acts 29, because there are only 28 chapters in the book of Acts, and we are writing chapter 29. Us and all of God's people all around the world are carrying on writing this amazing story that started with 12, 13 guys and this tiny community in a very insignificant place in the world and is now everywhere. And, and I mean, when we think about how far all of that is, and, and how far it's gone, one of the questions in my mind that I always kind of, I look at people, I look at myself, and I think to myself, how far is too far? You know, you know we've always got that one person in our lives where we look at that person and they just went too far. You know, I, I mean, I'm a teaser, you know, I, I like teasing people, and, and guys like me don't always know. And that's sometimes why we have like wives and children. It was like, John, you just went, you went too far. I mean, it's a real thing. You know, how far do we go in this new year? How far are you going to go in committing to your job? How far are you going to go in committing to your family? How far are you going to go in committing to the kingdom of God and God's family? I mean, it's a very real struggle. How far is too far? How much is too much? Even as I, as I connect pastorally with people, sometimes, I don't know if you guys, please don't, now I start doing it, but sometimes you'll see me sitting over there on my phone during the service. I am actually on my phone, but I'm not making phone calls. It, 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 because we were online this morning, we were connecting with people in New Zealand and in the States and in Oman and all over the world, and that's what I'm doing. I'm busy sitting there connecting with, how far is too far? I mean, should we just stick around here? You see, we're humans, and we have limitations. And so we can't just go anywhere we want and do anything we want, and so we have to ask ourselves the question, how far is too far? But, but we serve God. And so really, we have to ask ourselves a question, not in, in our own context, not about me, but we have to ask ourselves this question, how far is too far for God? How far is too far for God? As God works out his plan to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, how far is it that he wants to go? And how far is it that he wants us to go? 
The book of Acts tells us how far God wants to go. I want to remind you that right in the beginning of the book of Acts, there's this, there's this verse that Jesus, the statement he makes to his disciples, and it's, it's not a command, it's a kind of a statement. He says to them in Acts 1 verse 8, but you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I wonder if they believed him. <laughs> I mean, if you read the story, they, you know, they're hiding. They kind of gathered together, and they're afraid. And Jesus says to them, wait. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and then this is what's going to happen. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I'm sure they're like, yeah, Jerusalem, that's fine. Oh, no, we can do that, God. We, uh, Judea, well, you know, I mean, we've been there often enough. It's not far. But also Samaria. Seriously, the Samaritans? Yuck. We don't want to go there. Not to those people. And the ends of the earth. I mean, I can sit there on my phone and connect literally New Zealand and, and the west coast of the United States. <laughs> That's amazing. But these guys, the ends of the earth, really? I mean, we've, we, we can't even afford chariots, God. We're going to have to walk. The ends of the earth. But God doesn't even stop there. It's not just the fact that he, he, he tells them they're going to end up, that how far is too far? Well, there's no too far. It's just as far as you need to go the ends of the earth. But in 2 Peter, we read something else about who God wants there. Not just how far he wants us to go, but, but who, in fact, he wants us to connect with. In 2 Peter 3, verse 9, so, so those Christians are, are like, hey, when is Jesus coming back? You know, he said he was going to come back. Isn't it time now? You know, we've been waiting. And Peter says to them, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So, so there are about 8 billion people in the world right now. <laughs> everyone is more than 8 billion. You see, that's how far God wants this thing to go. He wants it to go to the ends of the earth and to every single human being. You see, I think God's idea of how far far is and how far too far is is different. You see, our struggle is we go, I can't go that far. I don't have the resources. Sometimes we go, I can't go that far because I don't want to. Because God, you know, that place, they're, they're like, they don't have flushing loos there. I can't go there. I can't speak that language. I can't. But God, there is no too far. It's the ends of the earth and it's everybody. And I, and I think it's so easy for us to say, I'm out. I can't. I can't. And I think it was the same for this early church. I think it was the same. They're like, I can't. But God wants and so chapter 9 gives us some amazing questions, some amazing stories of how God begins this process of the ends of the earth 
and everybody. And this morning, I want us to grapple with some of the questions he asks people so that they can learn how far God wants them to go. You see, because it's not just about them, it's about us as well. It's about us as a church. How far does God want to take us? And as we grapple with how far God wants to take us, as individuals, we have to say, how far am I prepared to let God take me? And it's not just an outsider journey. I don't know about you, but my personality is let's go. My personality in terms of travel is that if international travel was free, you would never see me again. I'm gone. I want to go everywhere. I want to see everything. Other people are not like that. You know, I've got people in my family who's like, no, I'm just going to stay here. I love it here. But it's not just the external journey. It's also the internal journey. How far does God want to take you? How far are you prepared to go? How much are you prepared to change? How much are you and I prepared to give up so that we can go where God wants us to go and reach who God wants us to reach? And so we're going to look at chapter 9, verse 1 through 31. It's the story of a guy called Saul. And, and God asking him and the people around him questions in terms of the change that happens in people's lives as they say, too far for me is as far as God wants me to go. There is no too far for me. And so the first question is the question of change. How much are you willing to let God change you? How much are you willing to let go of who you are and of your plans and of your personality and your life? And so the story starts with somebody very strong. His name was Saul, and he was brilliant. Academically, he knew Scripture. He was passionate. He, he wanted to defend God at all costs. In fact, he was prepared for other people to die in order to be right and to defend God. He was a guy that held the cloaks of the people that stoned Stephen to death. And now we introduce to him again, he's got letters from the leaders in Jerusalem to synagogues around about to go and arrest Christians, the followers of the way, that's what they were called in those days, and bring them back to Jerusalem so that they could stand trial. And potentially some of them would be killed, like Stephen was. Why? because he loved God so much. He wanted to defend God. He wanted people to know the truth, and he was willing to kill for it. And so off he sets. And then something amazing happens. Acts chapter nine, verse three, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So two questions right there, and they are fundamental to Saul's life changing. Two questions that 
that had to be answered. Don't think that Saul's life completely changed in this moment. It, there was a lot of change. But as we read the rest of the book of Acts, and as we read the, apostles, the, 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 the letters that Paul wrote, he, he spent a very, very long, he spent the rest of his life changing. But the fundamental question he had to answer was, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You see, his, he, he couldn't be changed by God until he answered that question. Now, I, I know that, I, I don't think anybody here is trying to persecute God, but perhaps the question you need to answer in terms of how much are you prepared to be changed is, why are you ignoring me? Why are you making me less important than I should be? Why have you made me just a small part of your life? Why have you lost your first love? But we have to be able to answer the question God is, is asking us, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then Saul asks, who are you? And then the answer he gets given, and he doesn't get given it immediately, he gets part of it, but it's the answer that gives definition to the rest of his life is that I'm the king of kings. I'm the Messiah. I'm the savior of the world. I'm Jesus. Do you remember me? You remember hearing all about that's who I am. But I'm not just a person. I am the Lord. And as he answers that, those questions, as he hears them and he asks them and he gets the right response, his life is set on the course of inevitable change. That God will keep changing him. And he made lots of mistakes after this. He got things wrong. I have such a love-hate relationship with Paul. I really do. There's some stuff he said, I'm not going to, come on, man. And there's other stuff, like, wow. Why? Because he's on a journey of change. He said to God, I will let you change me. And so as, as we ask ourselves how far are we prepared to go, how far is too far, ask yourself this morning, how much am I prepared to let God change me? Or are there, are there still things I'm going to keep to myself? Are there still things I'm going to keep to myself? Imagine how embarrassing it was for Saul. We'll, we'll read a bit later on some of the things he had to go and do. But, but in fact, the very thing that he had was totally against. He now has to look, I was wrong. I'm this brilliant teacher. I know scripture better than any of you. And I was wrong. Can you imagine if he'd been on social media? He would have been roasted. He would have been fried. But you see, he answers the question, God, it doesn't matter how much change needs to happen in my life, I'll let it happen. But you see, this passage isn't just about questions of change. This passage about how far is too far for God is also has questions of things like obedience. So Saul is now blind. He gets taken into Damascus by the guys who are with him. Guys who are with him are pretty probably freaked out. The, the story tells us that they heard a noise, but they couldn't hear what was being said. They saw a light. The light didn't blind them but it blinded him. I mean, can you imagine? They're like, one minute they've got this oak who's like, is the boss. 
And now he's blind. I think sometimes God has to take our strength away from us so that he can begin the work of change in our lives. Truly, my experience is that as I've journeyed with people, the place of suffering is often the place where the best and most fundamental changes happen. And now Saul is like, he's, he's dumbstruck. And so he's now in Damascus. He was going to arrest people, and now he's completely dependent on others. And there's this guy called Ananias, who was a disciple of Jesus and who lived in Damascus. And he's at home minding his own business. And then in chapter 9, verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. (laughs) Now, Ananias responds with a question to God. And his response is, and you should go and read it, excuse me, God, do you know who this oak is? I mean, this is very specific. This is not one of those things where, ah, oh, you know, I could go to another guy who I know whose name is Saul and I'll be okay. I mean, God actually gives him a Google chart there. Go there to Straight Street, there. And he's like, God, are you serious? And God says, I am. In fact, I'm so serious that this guy is my chosen instrument to spread this message. (laughs) The very, you see how much God wants to change us? The very person that was trying to kill the message, God says, I've chosen him to spread the message. Ananias, are you willing to be obedient? Are you willing to risk your life here, Ananias? Are you willing to get up and go and go and talk to this man who everybody is terrified of? What obediences have you been delaying this last year? What are those things that God is asking you to do? What are those things that you know God is saying, I want you to take this step? No, Lord, you understand if I do that, my family... No, Lord, you understand if I do that, my business. No, Lord, you understand if I do that. But, but what are the obediences? Are you willing to allow God to change you? You see, there's, there's no obedience that is too big to give to God. We read in the Bible that God asks some people to do some very scary things. Eh? And yet they decide, this man decides I'll do it. I'll do it. And not only his life is changed, but Saul's life is changed. He becomes poor, and, and, and the, when Ananias goes to him, the scales fall off his eyes, and he can see again. And so as we ask ourselves the question, how far is too far? We have to ask ourselves this question is, am I prepared to be obedient? Am I prepared to take that next step? Am I prepared to do that difficult thing that God is asking me to do? But you see, this how far question isn't just about that. It's also about things like courage. How brave are you willing to be? What 
question of courage. Where you go, I, I can do that, but God, I can't do that. That's just too scary. How brave did God want Saul to be? So the scale's full of Saul's eyes. He's better. And the first thing he does is he packs his bags and he goes back to Jerusalem with his tail between his legs. <laughs> nope. He goes into Damascus and he goes to those synagogues where he had the letters for to give to the oaks in charge to get Christians so he could persecute them. He goes to them and he starts telling them I was wrong. I was completely wrong. I, he, this Jesus is the savior of the world. He's the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. All my academic training I have to swallow now. All my pride I have to swallow my personality is I'm brave on the outside. I, I like adventurous new things. I, that's me. But I'm not so brave on the inside. <laughs> the things on the inside of me that I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. Can you imagine the courage it took for Saul to stand up in front of people who massively respected him, who entrusted him to do this important thing of capturing these other people and go and look at them in the eye and say, I was wrong. In fact, I was completely wrong. And he doesn't back down. That's what I love. You know, we read about those, those previous chapters with John and Peter and all those guys. The Sanhedrin says, stop preaching in Jesus' name. <laughs> what do they do? They walk right out and they go, no, <laughs> no, we have to. And that's exactly what happens to Paul. He swallows his pride. He's brave enough. There are consequences to courage. Acts 9, 23, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy amongst the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned about their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. I just want to pause there. He didn't stop preaching in the meantime. He'd heard about it, he knew they were chasing him, but he carried on doing it anyway. You see, because he'd answered the question of courage. Here's one of the things I've discovered about God's courage. Sometimes he just gives it to us, even when we don't think we can have it. I've had moments in my life where I've done objectively the stupidest things in the world. And afterwards, people have gone to me and said, geez, you were brave to do that. And I've got to tell you, honestly, when I was doing it, it wasn't, I wasn't thinking I was being brave. I was just thinking, this is what I have to do right now. I'm going to have to be careful that you don't try and turn yourself into I'm not a hero. Understand this. I'm a wuss. But... I was once in a situation where a man with an, with an R5 rifle was standing in front of somebody else and was getting ready to shoot him, and I just stood between them. And I wasn't going, I'm going to be a hero now. I really wasn't. I just knew that that's what I had to do. I got in so much trouble when I got home from my wife. Can you imagine? But you see, that's the beauty, is this, this change that God has for us is, is us and him. It's us and him. The battle belongs to him. But the willingness to say, Lord, I will change. 
Verse 25, but his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. You see, because, because sometimes we end up doing stupid things when we're brave. We stand in front of somebody with a gun. And sometimes God asks us to submit ourselves to the community around us. I suspect, I don't have any proof of this, there's nothing in the text, but I suspect, knowing what I know a bit about Saul's personality, is he just wanted to stay there and keep stirring. He's like, no, no, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to carry on doing this. If they kill me, they kill me. But I think the rest of the community came around him. His followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Why? Because they had wisdom that he didn't yet have. They had wisdom that he didn't yet have. If you are one of those people who just wants to run, are you willing to allow the wisdom of God to come into your life to say, maybe now you should slow down? This is a time to go. This is a time to hold back. Ask yourself, will I pursue wisdom this year? Will I let God teach me wisdom? And will I let God use this community that I have around me to teach me that? You see, he's, he subjected himself, even in that moment, to the people that were around him. Are you willing to let the community teach you? You know what? It's nice to get advice from people who agree with you. <laughs> I don't know if you know if you feel like that. But sometimes we need the advice from the people that we don't like. One of the hardest things that these early Christians had to learn was who God wanted in their community. I mean, Ananias was like, Lord, surely you don't want the Saul oak in the community? Yep, I do. And they had to keep discovering that this community that God was calling them to to, to bring in was very different. We're going to get into that next week. As we look to this coming year, how far is going to be too far for us? How much is going to be too much for us? And it's scary. You know why it's scary? Because we imagine the worst case scenario, don't we? Oh, God, if I say yes to you now, you're going to make me sell my house and move to some place where they don't speak English and the toilets don't flush and I have to hunt my own food. You see, that's what we think. But that's not how God is. God wants to go all the way to the ends of the earth and to everybody and to everyone in between as well. And so we don't have to go, I can't do this, Lord, because the stuff over there is too far away and too scary. Because just like these early Christians, God is saying, you know how much I want from you? Just one more. As you ask yourself the question, how much do you want from me, God? How much obedience? Just one more obedience. Just one more step. Just one more bit of wisdom. I have a friend in the United States who had a shoe business. It was called Shoe Show, and he had about 350 shops 
shoe shops in and around North Carolina. And one day his pastor said to him, bro, how many shoe shops do you want? And he said to his pastor, pastor, how many church members do you want? He said, if you want to know how many shoe shops I want, I just want one more. I just want one more. And as we grapple with these hard questions and difficult questions and scary questions, here's what's beautiful, is that we don't have to answer the how far. We just have to answer the what's next. We just, we just need to say, Lord, I'm just going to take one more step. I want us to have an opportunity to just think about answering these questions. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. What is your one more step when it comes to change in your life? What is that one question God wants to ask you about the change inside of you? What is that one question about obedience? What is that one obedience that's the next obedience? What is that one step of courage that you say, Lord, I, I'm not brave enough to do that, but I'll take one more step. What is that one step of wisdom? What is that one step of community that says, Lord, I'm going to get involved here? How much is too much for God? There is no too much. Can you get there? Yes, you can. How do you get there? One step at a time. Just one more. God, thank you that you are changing us and you will change us. And Lord, we will be your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Lord, thank you that, that your target is everyone. Thank you that we can be part of that. Lord, thank you that we can do it by just one more step. Lord, Thank you. Thank you that you work so patiently with us. We worship you together.